Well, good morning, Faithbrook Church. It is such a great morning to be with you, whether you're joining us online, on site, or if you're checking us out later on demand, I want to give you a warm welcome and thank you for checking us out. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Brendan Burns. I'm the pastor of student ministries here at Faithbrook, and it is so good to be with you here today. Well, hey, if you are a first-time guest or if this is your first time in a long time, if you're in person, I want you to reach in the seat back in front of you and pull out one of these connection cards. If you're online or on demand or just want to do this, you can also go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest and fill out a digital connection card just so that we could get to know you a little bit better. And once you fill this out and turn it in either into the black offering boxes in person or you click the submit button on the form online, we will send a $5 donation to Cross Food Shelf on your behalf. And on top of it, we will also reach out to you just to get to know you a bit better. Thank you so much for checking us out this week. Well, here at Faithbrook Church, our vision is to lead people to new and thriving life in Christ. And one of the ways that we do this is through baptism. Now, baptism is just simply the outward profession, the outward declaration of the faith that you already have in Jesus and the work that he's been doing in your life. And when we celebrate baptism here at Faithbrook, our students, our kids, and our adults all get together on certain Sundays of the whole year, and we celebrate together all of those who are getting baptized. We have Baptism Sunday coming up on November 14th. If you are at all interested or just want more information on what baptism looks like, I would invite you to go to the Church Center app. If you don't have it, download it in your respective app store. Go to the events, Baptism Sunday, and then just quick fill out a bit of information about yourself. And the next step will be one of our pastors will reach out to you and we're gonna have a conversation and follow up and see what it looks like for us to walk on that journey with you. Well, I am going to invite to the platform here our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we continue in our series, Win the Day. Well, do we have any risk takers in the house today or maybe online? Do you consider yourself a risk taker? Maybe you consider someone in your family a risk taker. Who would be that person in your family that would be willing to do something out of the ordinary? Uh, whether you might want to play it safe. How many of you are um, still willing to jump on a roller coaster? Would you take a risk on a roller coaster? Some of you, ooh, yeah, all right. How many of you would be willing to take a risk and, and skydive, jump out of a plane with a parachute? Uh, not so many, right? Uh, may, maybe not. There's something about uh, having the courage to just go for it. Maybe you had the courage to start something like a cause or a company that, that took some risk. So it took some energy to step off and go for it. Well, it reminds me of a story that Mark Batterson shared in his book, Win the Day, uh, in chapter 5, about a man named Elijah Otis. Now, he was in competition with a lot of other inventors because in the mid-1800s, America was uh, evolving and expanding. Big cities were coming around, and they started building what we know today as skyscrapers. The problem is, is that uh, if they put multiple stories on these buildings, uh, it was hard to, to get up and down just by steps. So these inventors like Otis uh, Elijah Tater started to uh, putting together some um, elevation elevators that would go into multiple stories. Well, and came down to the, the World's Fair uh, in 1853 that um, Elijah Otis brought his, his display to say that his elevator 
could uh, work better than anyone else. Here's a picture of uh, Mr. Mr. Otis right up here. It's coming. There it is, right? Okay, so uh, now most of the people always used to work their elevators with pulleys and ropes, and there was always a safety rope uh, because they didn't want it crashing and hurting. But people were mesmerized when Elijah Otis took a big pair of scissors and cut the safety rope, and he hit the button, and that platform started coming down. And because he was the first one to invent an elevator break, that platform, that capsule came down in a, in a measurable way and won the day. And from then on, uh, Elijah Otis uh, not only won the day, but he won the hearts and minds of business leaders and uh, skyscraper contractors. And from here on, if you walked onto an elevator, even today, most of elevators will have his name Otis Elevator Company. They are the world-renowned, iconic company in mechanical elevation. Well, now, as Paul Harvey says, you know the rest of the story. Well, I'm Jim, and I'm glad that you've come today. Hope you had a great week. Uh, thank you for bringing some food for our, our neighbors and people who might need some uh, food su supply. We're going to get that up to the cross food shelf. But most of you know that we are in this fall series called Win the Day. Life can be hard. And uh, what are some biblical habits that we're learning, some biblical principles to help us win the day? Now, the first habit that we learned was to flip the script, the habit of flipping the script. In other words, God wants to give you a new story, write a new story in your life, but you're going to have to allow him to flip the script. The second one was to kiss the wave. Uh, when waves of opposition problems come, how are we going to navigate? How are we going to position ourselves not to um, make us bitter, but to make us better? Instead of avoiding or fighting the waves, let's try to kiss the waves, as uh, Patterson says in his book. Third one is to fly the kite, because every kite has a little string, and the little string counts. And if you can fly that kite, then you can get it across some major distances and pull a little rope. And the rope then can pull a wire. And a wire can bring a cable. And the cable can eventually build you a bridge. But you have to be obedient in the small things if you want to see God show up in the big things. So now, to win the day, we, we come to the habit four. And as uh, Mr. Otis found out, you got to cut the rope. Somewhere you got to go for it, and you got to cut the rope. Now, our, our nature is to play it safe. We, we seek safety most of the time, right? Um, we're not one of those people who's like, hey, I'm just going to fly up in a plane and jump out, right? Hopefully my parachute uh, opens up. We, we just like to play it safe. Uh, even as we get older, it's like, well, I'm not sure if the roller coaster is for us because I don't know if my stomach and my head will play it safe, if you know what I mean. So we, we rather not, right? Could it be that there's some deeper issues that always push us to play it safe? Could it be sometimes we just want to be in control, right? And we feel more in control if we're not risking anything. Sometimes it's about power, right? I have, have more power when I'm, when I'm in control, and, and there's underlining security needs there. But may I suggest to you this morning that playing it safe is not always safe. 
Playing it safe is not always safe. Think about it. Where would you be in your life if you never took a risk, if you never stepped out, you never cut the rope and went for something? For instance, some of you pursued college. College was a a big endeavor. There were some tough classes and tough uh, exams out there, but you risked it. You went for it, and and, and maybe hopefully it paid off for you in your life. Where would you be if you never applied for that certain position or took that interview that was nerve-wracking? Where would your life be? Where would your life be if you didn't take that risk and ask out that certain person for the very first time? How would your life be different? I think about my life and looking back on it. There was many places where where God was pushing me to, that I would have to cut the rope. I would have to trust him. Where would I be spiritually? Where would I be professionally if I did not be willing to risk it and trust him and cut the rope? See, a lot of times there's a false sense that if we play it safe, then everything's going to be okay and work out. And a lot of times it's not always safe. There can be problems even when we don't go for it or cut the rope. Just like we're discovering with the nation of Israel, there was always times where God would have them to, to leave Egypt. They were used to slavery, but they were in bondage, and he called them out of Egypt. What if they said, no, we don't want to do that? For the rest of their life, they they would be stuck in that situation. Maybe some people are stuck in certain jobs because they're not willing to cut the rope and take a risk and and make a move. Sometimes we'd be sitting there in our life asking ourselves, well, what if? Or living with regrets and, and maybe even being disobedient to God because he asks us to cut the rope, take a risk, to trust him, and you go forward. See, what I've figured out through the Bible, figured out in life, a lot of times God leads us to spots where we got to have courage, that we got to cut the rope, we got to take a risk. We see this in the story of Israel, how they were in Egypt, and God says, I want to write a new story in your life. I want to deliver you out of your your bondage of slavery. I want to take you to the promised land, but it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to flip the script. And when the waves come of, of of fear and worry and red seas, then you're going to have to navigate to kiss the wave and trust me to part it. And remember, when you're navigating through that, the, the wilderness, all those years fly the kite. Be obedient to small things. And eventually, I'm going to make the way. I'm going to show up in the big things. So here they are. The first five books of the Old Testament is about the story of, of Israel. They're under leadership of Moses. He's, he's the catalyst. But he's starting to age out. He's coming to the end of his leadership. That first generation has been wandering. Now there's a new generation, and there's going to be a change. And he brings them to a crossroads in their pilgrimage. It's not a crossroads, really. It's a river. It's called the Jordan River. And on the other side of the Jordan River is this promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey that he said, man, I'm going to write a new story. They're, they're right there. But there's some problems. There's some challenges. One is this, this river, the Jordan River, and has, happens to be at, at flood stage. It's roaring. It's dangerous. It's right in front of them. But they can see on the other side, that's the fertile ground. That's the promised land. But they're going to have to need to cut the rope if they're going to win the day and go to God's promised land. So now the sixth 
book of the Old Testament. It now pivots to Joshua. He's the writer of it. He's kind of telling the story. He's now the new leader. In fact, the first chapter of Joshua it shares that he's kind of installed as their new uh, leader. Chapter 2, his first assignment, he commissions a reconnaissance team to go across and check out the land and uh, see what's happening. And sure enough, they come back and say, oh, there, there's some fortresses, but man, it's good over there. It's, we can make a living and, and raise our families. It's awesome, and uh, I think we ought to go. So in chapter 3, this is what Joshua writes. He says, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to Jordan, where they camped before the crossing over. They're, they're on the east side. They need to go west. After these three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go. Since you have never been this way before, okay, they're trying to navigate this, but keep a distance about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Now, he warns them not to go near it because the Ark is the essence of Jehovah God. God Almighty resides in this, this box that is carried by these, these priests. In this box are uh, articles like the Ten Commandments are in there. The, the Aaron's staff is in there, a bowl of manna. And um, we'll show a picture of it here real, real quick. This, this thing was this golden. Uh, these priests were set aside. I mean, it's remarkable. So he said, man, you need to stay back. Uh, far back, anybody touches it, man, you could die. Well, what we're discovering is that if you're going to win the day, before you cut the rope, make sure God is leading you. So we see in the scriptures that follow the ark. When the ark goes in front of you, in other words, when the Lord, when God himself goes in front of you, follow it. May I suggest to you that a lot of people don't take time to consult with God and follow his lead most of the time, we are just brought up in our culture. It's just like, do your own thing, right? Whatever feels good, whatever you think is right, you, you just do it. And we don't take time to consult with a holy God and follow his way and his will. So I've been doing this, this pastoral thing for quite a few years. And I've heard a lot of brokenhearted stories, damaged lives, um, catastrophes in people's lives. And as they're telling me in their tears and problems, I'm thinking in the back of my head, you know, did you, did you take time to consult with God before you made that decision about your family? Did you, did you think through the Bible, look at the Bible directions and, and principles in the Bible before you, you, you made that step or you got involved with that person? Did you let the Lord lead your life and follow or did you just blaze ahead, make your own decisions? Because, see, God offers a way through his holy word and prayer that we can go and say, God, where's your Ark of the Covenant leading in our life? What about these opportunities with my career or my relationships or, 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 or decisions in my life? Sometimes we need to take time to reflect. Now, what's my motivation here? Is, is it self-glorification? If it's what I want to do or is it what God wants me to do? How does it involve him? Maybe you could go to some other wise people that you know that, that also are in godly realms that, that say, hey, what do you think? 
we, I have this decision, this or that, and we might move, or this person. What, what do you think? Before you know it, you're, you're doing what God is commanding here. Before you cut the rope and make decisions, be sure that God is leading you. Well, there's more to the story. Verse 5, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things for you. God wants to do some amazing things for you, but first... You need to consecrate yourself. Now, <clears throat> that word's a little strange. We don't use that word too often. Consecration is a sacred dedication. It's a sacred dedication to somebody or something. Now, some of you th- might be thinking about an a Old Testament word, biblical word that was called sanctify. To sanctify something is to set apart as holy, like like those priests, they were be set apart to carry God's box, that, that Ark of the Covenant. So when God sanctified, that's what he does. He makes something holy. Our part is to consecrate. That's our part. We see this in the, um, in the journey of the Israelites, that God was sanctifying and making the way uh, when he sent the plagues to deliver his people out, when he parted the Red Sea, when he brought the manna, and now even the, the promised lands in front of him, that's his part. But now he says, man, I want you to do your part. And your part is to, to surrender or to consecrate in a fully dedicated way in your life. Now, now what does that look like? Uh, it's, it's a matter of letting God be the life director of your life versus you that you get off the throne and you put him on the throne. A lot of times we use a word called lordship, that he becomes the lord of our life, the master of our life. We, we sift and filter everything through him and say, God, what do you want in, in my life? Because I want to consecrate. Now, this, this is not always easy because a lot of times we, we want to be the master of our life. We want to be the lord of our, our life. There's a nature in each one of us, but but I would challenge that a little bit. Do you think we're smart enough to just make the wisest decisions? Do we, do we, do we know more than God? Kind of like Pastor Taylor was talking about in that, that corn maze, right? Uh, are we just going to go around every corner and it's like, well, I can do this while God's up there saying, no, I, I have a plan for your life. Submit to me. Yield your ways to me. Before you know it, we see that God wants to do some amazing things. And sometimes it's, it's physical things. Sometimes it's financial things. But, but I would suggest to you that the greater things that happen in our hearts, in our minds, that God starts transforming our thinking, our personalities, and, and our lifestyles more directed by him. So to win the day, you have to do the cutting and trust God to do the amazing Somewhere in your life, you want to win the day, you have to do the consecration. you got to have the courage to cut the rope. Then God's going to do the amazing. That's his part. you got to somewhere wrestle down the inner man who wants to control their life, the inner person, and let go. And, and the inner person, a lot of times, we have these subconscious ropes that we hang on, these safety ropes for Elijah Otis, it was that rope on his elevator that he had to let go of. And, and for many of us, we, we have these the ropes. I think one, of the, uh, one rope that we have is we just prefer comfort and ease. You know, we'll follow you, God, but we want to make sure that we're comfortable and ease. That, that's, that's my thing in my life, right? Sometimes that comes along with, with finances. 
that God, don't fool with my finances because I need money. I want it in my bank account and to give and, and to put God first. That, that, that gets tricky. So sometimes it's, it's our family. A lot of times it's like, whoa, uh, if my family is my safety rope and, and they're first instead of God. And, 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 and is that true? Sometimes it's, it's like liquor, right? It's like, well, as long as I have a little bit of alcohol around me, I can absorb anything. It, it chills me out, makes me just kind of a numb to all the pain and problems in my life. These safety ropes. But playing it safe is not always safe. Uh, before we know it, there can be some entanglements and some problems because we're trying to play it safe, and God wants us to cut the rope and go forward. It's kind of like the man who fell off the side of a cliff in the middle of the night. It was dark. He's barely hanging on to the edges. He's crying out, help, 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 anybody up there? Well, all of a sudden, some hands comes over the cliff. I'm right here. But you got to let go, and you got to grab on. Let go and grab on. He's like, what? Yeah, yeah, trust me. Let go. Grab on. And it's kind of a quiet. And then the voice above says, what are you going to do? What's going on? Some more quietness. Finally, the, the voice below says, I'm wondering if there's anybody else up there, right? They can help me. If we were having a hard time letting go and trusting God, but we have to cut the rope and let God do the amazing. Joshua says to his priests, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead of them. Again, that symbolizes we want God to go ahead of us. You know, I would challenge you and ask you, do you want God the head of your family, the, the head of your soul? Are you going to follow him and let him go before you? Verse 7 says, And then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of the Israel so that they may know that I am with you. As I am with Moses, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Just go stand in the river. Well, there, there's one problem, but the river is, is flooded. It is flying past them, roaring. The, the experts tell us that where they crossed, it was about 60 foot across. And if you've ever been around swollen rivers or creeks, uh, they can be treacherous and dangerous. We're not sure how deep that that bank is right there. And God's like, when you get to the river, don't wait. I want you to just step into it. Now they're thinking, yeah, back at the Red Sea, we halted. And, and Moses said, stand fast and see the deliverance of the Lord. And he reached out to staff and all night, God started pushing back, dividing that sea and they passed in dry ground. But this time God's like, no, I'm, I'm not gonna let you just stand and wait to have the open ground. I want you to just plunge into that river, step into that river. Yeah, but rivers can be dangerous when they're flood. The experts tell us that even six uh, inches of water flying past can take you off, a, uh, take you, your feet out from under you, and people have died and drowned. They say that a foot of water can move vehicles if you're not careful. And here God is like, trust me, cut the rope, step into the water. Now here's where it gets tricky, my friends. When God pushes us and asks us to trust him and cut the rope, this takes a spiritual decision to do this. This is where inwardly, uh, by faith, that we, we come to the decision to consecrate ourselves and say, God, I'm, I'm going in. I'm, I'm stepping in. I'm cutting the rope. I'm going to trust you. Well, 
Let's see what happens. So when the people broke camp to, the, to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet, as soon as the priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, it says <clears throat> the water from the upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap of a great distance away in a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zerphan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Erba, which is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. It's one of the most amazing miracles in the Old Testament that once again, God parted the waters. But first they would have to step into the waters. They'd have to cut the rope. I, I really like what Tony Evans says. God is ready to make his move, but he wants to see yours. God's ready to make his move, but he wants to see yours, your heart, your courage, your willingness to trust him. Can you imagine if the Israelites said, man, I, I don't know if we're going to do that. Uh, this is pretty spooky, scary. Uh, if he would just open up the waters, but, but if they wouldn't have went for it and cut the rope, where would their history be? Let's continue. The, the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all the Israel passed by until the whole nation have completely crossed on dry ground. Now picture this. So God himself in this, this box, this Ark of Covenant, he doesn't go through the river and gets on the other side and say, come follow me. He positions himself right there in the deepest part of that river with that giant, massive uh, wall of water upstream. What does that tell us? What does that symbolize? My friends, I want to suggest to you that God is going to stand in the depths of the, the, the rivers in our life. He is going to be there. And after you cut the rope, God will stand with you. No matter what, thick or thin, God will be with you. Remember when he, when he commissioned his disciples? He said, remember this, gentlemen, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And they would go through some tough times, but he's going to be in the valleys with us. He's going to be in the battles with us. Whatever you're dealing with, your heartbreak, your, your hurt, your, your stress, God is going to be the, the way maker. He's going to be the Abba Father. The Bible tells us that he intercedes for us. He prays for us with words that we, what takes groaning, that when we don't even know what to pray, we're overwhelmed. God's there. That his grace would be sufficient. Psalms 23 talks about, even though if we have to go to the valleys of death, my rod and my staff will comfort you. He's going to be there. He's going to stand with you just like he did with the Israelites, whatever you're going through. God's like, I'm, I'm holding back the waters. I'm going to see you through. I love you. Trust me. I will be there. Now, I know it's just very easy to say, man, I'm, I'm staying on the bank. I'm not a risk taker. I'm not sure what's going to happen. But God calls us to cut the rope and go. This reminds me of a, a young lady, that young mom that was attending our church a couple of years ago. And... Uh, she had these precious little girls, and she was fired up for Jesus, man. She was passionate for Jesus, and you didn't, I didn't, um, she was kind of all alone, just career woman trying to make it work, and, 
And so I had a conversation with her. And I was like, wow, why are you so uh, dedicated to, to Jesus and, and, and fired up? And she said, well, let me tell you a story, Pastor Jim. I, I um, knew about Jesus. I, I tried to follow Jesus. And, uh, but I had one weakness. I had a safety rope, in other words. I, I was always susceptible to men. <laughs> I just felt like I couldn't get through life without some kind of man in my life. So I was vulnerable for men. Um, you know, sweet-talking me, and I get involved with these guys. Next thing I know, I'm living with these guys, and we're, I'm having babies with these guys. And, but none of them were really godly men. They didn't really care about my Jesus. Uh, they were unfaithful and uh, uh, didn't help much, and, and there was problems and fights. And, and finally, I just came to the point where I'm, I'm going to have to decide that I'm going to only have one man, and that's going to be Jesus. And I came to a point, basically, she cut the rope and said, I'm going only with Jesus. Girls, we're leaving. We're going to rely on God. He's going to have to stand in the river with us. We're going to have to survive, but I'm not going there anymore. Don't, don't, don't call me. Don't try to uh, flirt with me. I don't need you anymore. I just need Jesus. And she got released, man. She was on fire. She was passionate. Her, 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 her soulmate was Jesus now. And she was taking on life, right? And I said, well, hey, you ever... Think about ever getting married. He said, well, it better be a godly man. I, I'm not going back there anymore. I'm not going back to Egypt, right? This guy's going to have to be true blue, on fire like me for Jesus, but I don't need one. I'm, I'm going forward. So she was working in some of her career, and, and uh, eventually uh, God started opening some amazing doors, and uh, she had some advancements in careers. And one day she says, Pastor Jim, something miraculous happened that uh, I got a chance to, to live, my girls and I live in a little home, um, own our own home for the first time ever, but it's about 30 miles west of here, and we're going to have to move and uh, kind of restart over, over there. And I was like, that's wonderful, good for you, and some things happened. So I just kind of followed her on social media, and she would post some things, and it was always a blessing to just see how God was living in her life, and she, she made some big leaps in her career, and she was doing well, and just God blessing her. It's like, yes, she cut the rope. God was doing the amazing. And I noticed this last fall, or last spring, uh, there was some kind of posting about engagement. I'm like, aha, uh -huh. there's a guy that came around, aha, uh -huh, after several years. And then this summer, they got married. And I congratulated, and, and I'm like, wow, this guy was a holy man. This guy measured up to her qualifications, and God brought back that, that, that dream. He mended the dream, and something miraculously happened in her life. See, miracles happen when we are willing to let God lead in our life. To take the step of consecration is our, our decision, and to trust him through the thick and the thin. And you know something, my friends? You know who else took a leap of faith cut the rope in a dramatic way, that was Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ had a lot to lose. He was up in heaven with his heavenly father. He had the angels waiting on him. There was no sorrow, pain, disappointment, rejection, problems. It was sheer paradise in heaven, right? But he looked down on this earth and he saw how mankind was not doing well at all, how they treated each other, full of darkness and betrayal and sin. And he said, Dad, I'm willing to cut the rope and go to that earth to be the redeemer of this earth. And the Heavenly Father knew that that was coming. That was their plan from the whole time. 
And God so loved the world, he loved us, that he was willing to cut the rope and come to our dirty, messed up world. And for 33 years, he grew to be a man. And eventually, he knew what would happen. People would betray him. People would insult him. And he would go through a horrific um, death on the cross and fully humiliated there. Why? All for the risk that someone would say, you know what? I need that person in my life. He would pay the price for our sins, that if we would confess our sins, if we would repent of our sins, then by faith he would come in and save us by grace and be the savior of our life. But it would take us to say, yes, I want God, I want you to forgive me. I want you to come into my life. He would have to take that risk. Here's the deal. God doesn't live in a box anymore. God doesn't live in some holy place like some cathedral or behind some wall. He wants and does live in our souls, in our hearts. It's not so much about the physical exteriors. It's about a personal relationship of his holy covenant in our soul, in our heart. Now, a lot of times we can appreciate Jesus. We can appreciate God. We know about God. And if someone says, do you believe in God? You'd say, yes. Does that make you um, going to heaven? Does that make you uh, saved in Christ? No. Even the devil believes in God if you asked him, right? There comes a point where you have to say yes to him. To say, man, I'm cutting the rope. I'm asking him to forgive my life and put him first in my life. Revelation 3.20 says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, he will come in and live with you. God doesn't push the door open, my friends. He knocks. You have the free will choice to say, no, I'm playing it safe. I'm staying on the east side of the Jordan. Or to say, yes, I'm going with you. Come into my life. I want to go to the promised land. And many times that takes habit number four, and that is to cut the rope. Never forget that playing it safe is not always safe. So I would ask you, is God leading you? Are you coming to a point where there are some crossroads, some rivers in your life that he's asking you to step into the river to trust him and that you're going to have to cut something? You're going to have to consecrate something, especially yourself? I think about some of the wonderful stories. I see people making those leaps. I, th I think about some new Christians that come to Christ and they realize they got to cut the rope with some friends. These friends in the past are not helpful. They're not um, encouraging them in their spiritual life and act, they're really kind of detracting from them. And somewhere they got to say, we shouldn't hang out with those people anywhere. That, that can be tough sometimes. I, I've seen people say, you know, uh, we got to make God first. What's got to be cut? We've got to dedicate ourselves to at least Sunday's church, Sunday mornings. Let's, let's get the kids. Let's go to church. Make him first. We're going to cut some time, our, our leisure, to put God first. I know some families that had some courageous decisions where, let's, for instance, they had two careers and kids come on board and they're like, this is crazy. We're constantly stressed out. And so something has to be cut. And one of them says, for our, our family, one of us is going to stay home. That means we're going to lose some income. We lose some options out there. That's tough. But they're willing to, to cut the rope, to not to, to play it safe and, and see what God does. I, I was inspired this last year, a young lady in our church, Lana Schultz, she cut the rope by leaving the state and going to Indianapolis. Mom and dad, I feel like I'm, I'm, God might be calling into ministry. 
inner city ministry, and there's a ministry center in downtown Indianapolis, and so I'm going to leave. I'm going to cut the rope and trust God that he's going to provide and keep me safe down there, and she's, she's um, in ministry right now as, as we speak. So what is God calling you to step into? What, what is the river that is in front of you that you're going to ask, ask God to give you faith to go forward? Sometimes it's admitting that we have some addictions and we step out and say, I need some help. I got to come clean with these addictions. Sometimes we have habits or we have fears that we got to let go of. We got to just tr trust God and walk through believing in him. We, we talked about this, this act of water baptism, uh, to go under the water and come up. Uh, that's cutting the rope. That's, that's going public with our faith and say, you know, I don't care if my hair gets wet or whatever. I, I want to go so uh, in with God, man. I'm getting baptized by water. Many times it's, it's trusting God to be fully consecrated, dedicated to him. Like I said, it's one thing to say yes to Jesus. It's another thing, God, you're going to be my Lord. You're going to be my master. I'm following you. I'm filtering everything through you. I want to live for you. And for some people, it might be saying yes for the first time as an adult. You said yes to Jesus. I want you as my savior. Maybe when you're eight, nine, ten, whatever, but now you're an adult. You're like, wow, I need to make this official. I, may, I need to make this real in my life as an adult. I say yes to Jesus. Forgive me. Come into my life, my soul. Now, friends, I know sometimes I can sound like a, a salesman where like, hey, you just do these three habits and you just say yes, this, and then everything in your life is going to be great. Here, sign here. I, I'm not trying to do that this morning. I am trying to invite you in, to step into the will of God. And eventually, God so transformed you that your, your, your mindset and your lifestyle is more like him, full of his love. I'm inviting you to trust him, to step into the water and to let things go in your life. For some of you, you are holding on to some hurt. For some of you, you are holding on to some major stress. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a, um, a, a career situation and, and and you just want it your way, or, or you're mad. And somewhere God says, you cut the rope. Let it go. Trust me completely. Some of you are, are wrestling with, am I going to let Jesus not only just save me, but to completely take me over and be the, the, the life director of my life? And hopefully someone here listening online or in the hall today is like, you know, I've never really said yes to Jesus in a, in a real a spiritual way. I've known about Jesus. I like coming to church. I, I believe in Jesus, but I never said, God, forgive my sins. I say yes to you today. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I want to walk with you. I'm going to ask Brendan to come and sing that song again we, we, we sang earlier uh, about the way maker, the promise keeper. I'm going to invite you to let God speak to your heart. One of the best ways that I can hear God speak to my heart is when I center in when I close my eyes and just kind of pray and listen. So as he sings this song, I want to invite you to, to close your eyes and just give everyone just a, a private time between them and God. I believe God wants to show up and is showing up this morning. I believe God has been pursuing you for you to trust him. And this message might be a time 
where you got to cut the rope and in your trust. So would you just close your eyes, listen, let God speak to your life, and then I'll give you a chance to respond. We've come to a sacred moment. Our eyes are closed. We're just giving God room to speak and to move. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to crossing the river, to cutting the rope. Some of you have walked in and there is a lot of something you're holding, something that just burdens you, worries you, has hurt you. And God is asking you today to respond by cutting the rope and letting it go to trust him, to step into that river and just visualize that you can give it over to him. He's in the river. He's in the valley. He's, he knows the pain. He, he knows the situation. And you can walk out of here today released that he's owning it. He, he has it now. And so if that's where God is directing you, I just want to, you to show him by just taking your hands and facing, putting your palms face down. It's, it's a physical response of just saying what your heart is saying, God, I want you to have this. This, this pressure, this decision, this hurt, I'm giving you it. I, I give it to you. I trust you with it. I'm going to cut the rope, quit thinking about it, dwelling on it. I'm going to release it to you. I trust you. My hands are down in a releasing way. Maybe God speak into your life. Say, God, I've been playing around with you. I, I, I see you as my savior. I want to go to heaven. And I believe in you, but I've really had a hard time letting you be the master, letting you be the, the Lord of my life. And today, by faith, I want to cut the rope and I'm, I want to go all in. And, and, and you can show that by him by putting your palms up. And this is, this is an act of offering yourself or an act of surrender. Here I am, God. Use me. Here I am. I'm going to let you lead my life. You're going to be the Lord. You're going to be the director. You're going to be the, the master. Help me to follow. I want all of you. I'm stepping into the river. All I got. I'm consecrating myself to you. And I will wait on the amazing. And then finally, maybe there's someone here that says, you know, Jim, I've, I've never really sincerely said yes to Jesus as an adult. I did it maybe when I was younger, but as an adult now, I, I've kind of connected the dots. I realized that I need to sincerely ask God to forgive my sins and come into my heart. I hear him knocking at the door of my heart. Would you just lift a hand? Nobody's looking around. Nobody sees it except God himself. But when we lift a hand, we're saying yes to God. God, I'm that person coming to my heart. Cleanse me from all my unrighteousness and all my sin, God. Forgive me and purify me. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And the new spirit, the new love, God's presence comes into our heart by faith. Receive that. Oh, gracious God, we're so thankful that you are the promise keeper, that you are the way maker, that we can trust in you when we cut the rope, God. Help us to realize, God, by just 
giving into that false premise that if we play it safe, everything will be fine. We realize, God, that a lot of times it isn't fine and it won't be fine. But when we follow you, when we step into the river, God, you will be there and you will make a way. Bless these good people, God. The decisions spiritually they made today, maybe online or right here in this hall today, help them to live it out as we win the day and give you our all. In Jesus' name, we all said amen and amen. Now, before we go, I want to just get, uh, have you do me a favor. If you kind of made a decision, I'd love for, to let me know that you made that decision by taking out a red card in front of you. There's a pen. There's some offering boxes on the way out. And if you would just take a moment to just write your name. And on the first box here, it says, follow Jesus for the first time. If you, you said yes to Jesus for the first time in a long time, write that down. We want to pray for you. We want to congratulate you. We make a big deal. But you just do that. Maybe you have a prayer request or you have a, something that you want to move into. You can look at that red card and on your way out. So we're just going to walk out quietly. The Holy Spirit is here. You have a good day. And uh, God bless. You're dismissed.